Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be up here again. If you are new with us, I'm not the senior pastor. I'm the associate pastor. My name is Pastor David. But we are glad that you are joining with us. New or familiar faces, we're glad to have all of you and all of you on the stream as well. It's great to have you joining us. Um, we are continuing our series on resolutions, New Year's resolutions. So a New Year's resolution worth keeping. And last week we dug into scripture in James and um, we talked about being doers of God's word and not just hearers. And one of the things that we put forward as our point or resolution that we could take was to be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Um, so basically, when you talk to others, taking that as a, a template that you can use when reaching others. Um, he told us to be hearers and doers. So when you hear or read God's word, do you process what you have heard and read and then apply it? There always needs to be some sort of action when we hear or read God's word. Uh, last week, lastly, we also talked about not just the talking the talk part, but also walking the walk, which leads us in to this week. So the title for this week is Don't Just Talk the Talk, But Walk the Walk. And what does that look like? Um, the scripture we're going to be reading is Romans 12, 9 through 21. We'll be digging into that. And it's basically marks of a true Christian is what a lot of Bibles title it um, as we go through it. But it's a way to read what some examples are. Um, obviously not a full exhaustive, li exhaustive list of what a Christian should look like, but gives us some great examples of how we can live our life before each other and around others as well. So Romans 12, 9 through 21. And before we go there, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for just being able to be here, to be able to study your word. We know there's a lot of places where that's very difficult, so we thank you for the freedom to be able to do that. We pr I pray that we will treasure that as much as they do. Lord, help us to understand what you have for us. Help us to apply it. And Lord, I pray that these would be your words and not mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans 12, 9 through 21. I hope you guys are ready for a lot. As I was going through this uh, scripture this week and digging into it a little deeper, it is a lot. There is a lot here. Uh, we'll focus on one section a little more than others, uh, but there, there's a lot to dig into. So we'll get going and just pay attention as we go through again. Just like last week, as we read through this portion of the scripture, I want you to, to think in your head, how does this apply to me walking the walk? How does this apply to me hearing and doing God's word? Verse 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? A lot of stuff. My brother and I, growing up, would fight a lot. It's what siblings do. Um, And my parents are here. They can attest to that. But we never got to the point of, like, actually wanting to really hurt each other. Like, we would wrestle. We would would get on each other and pull each other, restrain each other. There would even be some punches in the arm, whatever it was. But we never got to the point of actually physically hitting in the face or actually harming the other person. Now, our words said something different. We would walk up to each other, oh, I'm going to hit you, I'm going oh, to get you so bad. But it never really got to that point. If you know me, I love superheroes and the movies, the comics. I love martial art movies. I love reading the subtitles while I'm watching the movie. Some of you don't see how that's possible. You can read while watching at the same time. It is possible. Um, but that's my one of my favorite things, and I still watch stuff today. My kids laugh at me for some of the cartoons that I still watch today. But with that, growing up, I used to think that I could absorb those fighting skills. And so when my brother and I would start to argue, I would come up and be like, oh, I'm going to get you, and I'd I'd be ready, and then I would even do like a Chuck Norris roundhouse kick you in the face type thing, but it would all be in the air. I did not ever walk the walk when it came to those fights. It was all talk. Um, My brother, even though I'm taller than him, I still say he can take me down. I'm not afraid to admit it. I tell him that when we start to fight, I don't even bother with him, mostly because I pull my back out now, so... It's not even worth it. But when we get into it, again, it was all talk. And so I tell you that silly story just to say, are we all talk or are we walking the walk as well? As we get into this word, I want you to continue to think of how we should treat others and consider what we just talked about Again, for the purpose that our actions as believers in Christ should be for the benefit of other believers, the encouragement of other believers to share the gospel with non-believers and ultimately to glorify God as well. That's what our actions should be as we read God's word. And so please think about that again as we start from verse 1. Let's dig into this, uh, this first section. Verse 9 says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. What it's talking about in the, the terms here, let love be genuine, this is your love. 
let your love be genuine. It's agape love. Agape love is a selfless love. It's a love that does not think about yourself. Uh, Genuine means to be without hypocrisy, without judgment. So let that love, that selfless love, be without judgment. Abhor is a very strong word that is used here. It's also uh, portrayed in Psalm 97.12. Now those verses, these little verses that I have aren't going to be up on the screen. Don't, I mean, if you're fast enough, you can try to flip there, but I'm just going to read them for you. Psalm 97.12 says, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the the hand of the wicked. A A mature Christian cannot and should not want both love and evil. Hold fast to what is good, it says. The Greek word here for hold fast actually is the thought process of gluing together, of a bond. Hold fast to what is good. Paul also says in Thessalonians, or to the Thessalonians in five, chapter 5, verse 21, but testify everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Paul is very clear in mentioning love, evil, and good, and which ones we are supposed to do and which ones we are not supposed to do as we strive in our walk for Christ. Um, actually, Paul, as we read Romans here and Thessalonians and Corinthians and Colossians, I did Colossians last year around this time. There was a whole list in there that is similar. Paul has these lists everywhere that are very similar of what a mature Christian looks like or how we should be living our lives, striving to be like Christ. Um, actually, when I was, I think I said this last week, when I was prepping for the sermon or I got the idea and I was praying for it, I'm like, God, I feel like I've already done this before. And because I looked at my sermon from last year in Colossians, and it has a list very similar to it. So it's just crazy how it's all in there, obviously. It shouldn't be a surprise for us as we try to live out to be like Christ. Verse 10. This, this next section, 10 through 13, uh, focuses a lot on how we treat each other as a family of believers. That's one of the main focuses of it. So please think about that as we read it. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be consistent in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Brotherly affection here is actually brotherly love. And a lot of you know the Greek word for brotherly love. It is, does anybody want to say it? Philadelphia. So you know the city. So it's the city of brotherly love. As believers in Christ, we are called to and should want to love each other. We're not perfect, but that is one way we are supposed to stand out through our love for each other. When, when others outside the church, outside Uh, the family of God, sees each other and how we treat each other, they should notice it by our brotherly love for each other. 1 John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Pretty strong terms there. 1 John hits on brotherly love quite a bit. Uh, and it's something that we should not be taking lightly, especially because it is something we are told to do. 
As a result in brotherly love, we should be showing honor to each other. So moving on in the verse, which is putting others higher than ourselves. Uh, Paul then talks about serving the Lord. When you serve the Lord, you're supposed to do it with excitement. Have excitement as you serve the Lord. Don't be a sloth about it. Have zeal. It shouldn't be like chores that you have to do at home. Like, yeah, okay, I'll vacuum the floor again. No, it's excitement. Yes, Lord, I'm going to come and undecorate the church. Which actually is kind of sad, but, <laughs> but there should be excitement to serve the Lord, whatever it is. Um, we, we see this a lot. I, I, love, I love watching children when they serve because they can be excited to serve the Lord. There's so many different ways um, that they do that. Like whether it's helping in children's church or helping here or there or the teens helping at the soundboard or anything, there's excitement when it comes to serving God. And there's excitement from us adults too, don't get me wrong. Um, like I said, the undecorating of the church, there was a lot of people here to do that. We joked around, we had fun. You can have fun serving the Lord. We, we have a great time with the family carnival, Awana, um, all sorts of things at this church. And I, and I love seeing it. So I, I do give praise to God for the excitement that I do see from you guys when we serve the Lord. It's definitely there. Paul then mentions to rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Now, Paul has already mentioned what hope was in Romans 8, 24 through 25, which we didn't read that, but it's before this section. <clears throat> Romans 8, 24 to 25 says, For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Christ is our hope. Being with him one day in heaven is our hope as believers. And as believers, we can hope this together. Because of this hope, we can be patient in tribulation. Tribulation is trials, hard times that we go through. And they happen, and they will continue to happen. It's not something that's going to go away until the Lord returns or he takes you home. Going back to what James says, and I believe it's in chapter 2, um, we're to have joy in all trials. Have joy in all of it. So together as a family of believers, and a family here at West Hill, we can be patient. We can be there for each other. Um, I always say this about everything when it comes to our church. You've heard me say it before. You may not remember. Don't wait for someone else to be there for you. Maybe God wants you to take the initiative and be there for someone else. So how can you be there for someone else in times of trials? Obviously, there's going to be times where you need it as well. But think about how can you be there for someone else? Are you looking for those times to reach out and be there for someone who is going through a time of tribulation? Paul ends this, this section here with contribute to the needs of of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I really liked what John MacArthur had to say for this, so I'm just going to read it. He said, In the eyes of society, we rightfully own certain things, but before the Lord, we own nothing. We are simply stewards of what He has blessed us with. And one of our most important responsibilities as His stewards 
is using our personal resources to contribute to the needs of the saints, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to be there for each other physically, emotionally, with our our tangible items, our monetary items. We are to be there for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. There are plenty of examples of that around. Our family has has had those examples. We've been on the receiving end many times. We've been able to be on the giving end of those, those things as well. And one of those things is clothing. You know the church? Clothing gets passed around quite a bit with families. Um, a while ago, after Logan started getting older, um, 10 now, right? <laughs> See if you're listening. We gave away so many of his baby stuff and the children's clothes to others in the church. It was, it's something that's fun to do. Here's some clothes that survived, that didn't get ruined. That, yeah, I won't get into details, but here, have these. They need to go somewhere. And little did we know, God's up there being like, you probably don't want to give some of that stuff away. In nine or so years, you're going to need it again. And so we became on the receiving side of things with Judah being born. We have received many items of clothing, used and new. It's both great because it's all new to you. Um, Toys, receiving toys from people. It's it's a way of giving and providing for each other. Uh, And it's pretty awesome. Another example, it just happens to be clothes. I don't go out and typically buy clothing. I say that, but this one, this is like one shirt I have bought a couple years ago for Easter or something. So, um, but I rarely buy clothing. There is one shop that I get my clothes from, and he knows who he is, and that's Andrew. (laughs) A lot of my clothes I get from him. Um, And so when Andrew shows up with a trash bag, I'm like, yes, it is shopping day for me. Or other people, or Emily will get me stuff. I just don't, I don't care to go shopping that much. And it's not a bad thing, whether you do or don't. I just, it's not one of my things. Um, if you pay attention, the, the sweater that I wore last week, Andrew probably wore it at some point. That was Andrew's sweater. It's very nice. <laughs> um, it's just funny, though, because it's, it's silly examples, but it's true. Those are some of the ways, those are some of the, the, the ways that I see it happening personally in my life with our family, but there's other ways as well. We have our, our deacon's baskets, that w- the deacon's baskets that we just did for Christmas. That's, that's another way of providing and being there. We also have the deacon fund that is there and provides for people in the church. Um, and there's many, many, many other things as well. And it's, it's just awesome. And in all of that, we can give praise to God for that and for being there and contributing to the needs of the saints to fellow believers. Um, It's just a pretty awesome example. Moving on. Hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Literally means to pursue, pursue the love of strangers. Not only is Paul telling believers to show hospitality to other believers, but anyone as well. How can you show the love of Christ to all by inviting them in to your life, to your home? 
This is hard for a lot of us to do, especially in times like these times. But there's ways to do it. How can we be hospitable to others? Treating other believers, we spend, I'm not going to spend as much time on the next section, but I just felt it was important for us as a family of God to be reminded of how we can treat each other because from that, then we treat others as well outside the church in similar ways. Paul shows us what it is like to be a family of God and to stick together. We're not perfect, though, and we need to remember that as well. And so my first point, finally, after all that, on how we walk the walk is simply just to love your family. Love your family. Not talking about your blood. I'm talking about your family. How can we love our family? All the items we covered are ways we can be doers of God's word towards each other. And so I ask that you make it a point this year, a resolution, if you want to call it, to be doer of God's word and love your family. Again, we're not perfect. But when we do succeed in that way, we can give God glory and honor him through our actions. The next section as we start to get into that one leans towards everyone, believers and non-believers alike. Um, and we'll go a little, a little faster through it. Eh, we got some time. Um, but as we go through this section, I want you to think about how is, how is my witness now and what would it be like if I implement what we're about to read? So as we read the next section, how is my witness now versus what it could like, look like with what we're about to read? There's a lot of stuff in here that is not easy to follow. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. That statement alone is hard to do. We all know that. Paul does not hold back when he says, bless those who persecute you, and he starts off this section. Um, Paul actually would have heard this from Jesus. We hear it from Jesus as well. Um, the concept of, of not only resisting hate, but on top of that, blessing those who are hating you, those who are persecuting you. Jesus says in Luke 6, 27 through 28, Luke 6, 27 through 28, he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. This concept is a slap on the face to society, to the world. That's not what they want you to do. A lot of it is get revenge or just ignore or stay away from uh, these people. No, Jesus is saying the opposite. Paul is saying the opposite here. God is saying bless them. Treat them in a way that they would not expect. And this, again, opens up for opportunities for us to share Christ with others. When you do something that is not the norm in a good way, then it will open up for opportunities to share Christ with others. How you react to others in public, how you react to situations when things don't go your way at a restaurant or it's the worst service in the world or this or that, how you react <clears throat> will show others who you are, one way or another. 
One thing I like to say when, when someone messes up or something out in, and they're serving me, whether it's a restaurant or some other thing, I say it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not. Whatever bad thing happens at the store, it's not the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. Catch them off guard. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And moving on, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with, lowly, associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. So here we have opposites. We have rejoice and weep. And both we are called to do those together and with others. And this can definitely be hard, as sometimes when someone receives a blessing, jealousy can creep in as well. Oh, they just got that? That's not fair. Well, no, you can rejoice with them. That's one example. Rejoice with them. It's also hard to weep with others. Weeping with others is showing compassion, showing empathy for what they are going through. All of this can be difficult as it takes time and it can drain emotionally. It definitely can as you open yourself up to others. But it is a blessing, and it's a blessing to them. And it can be a blessing to you as well as you return and you serve them in that way. Live in harmony. This does not mean you have to agree with everyone. That's not what we're saying here, and they're thinking. But it doesn't mean we need to separate from all either. We are to share Christ with all. It is basically saying don't, don't be the one that is the, the cause of the lack of peace. Does that make sense? Don't be the one that is the cause of the lack of peace. So you may try to have peace with someone, but you can't force that on them to have peace with you. But Paul's saying here, you strive to be the one that is not the cause of that lack of peace. I think I said that right. So it's not just with whomever you please and feel good about it. It is with everyone. Moving on, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't, the saying here, don't, I mean, you guys know what this means. Don't think of yourself so high that you are better than others. Because what that does, that hinders you from sharing Christ with them. If you think you are above who they are. And then one of the things I wrote down is, praise the Lord, he didn't think that about us. He didn't have to send his son. Jesus didn't have to be humble and come down as a baby and live the life that he lived for us. He didn't have to do that. Be humble about who you are. Remember that you only have what you have because of what God has given you. It's not yours, and he can take it away from you at the blink of an eye. God can take it back. What you have is not yours because of you. It is God's. And then that goes into never be wise in your own sight. Being conceited will not allow for anything that we just covered, that we just read through. If I thought myself higher than others and I was conceited about it, then how could I rejoice with others? How could I weep with others? How could I treat others equally? How could I have peace with others? And how can I be humble if I'm conceited? It doesn't go together. Who would even want to be around me? That's one of the main questions I just wrote when I was doing this. Who would want to be around me? 
don't think yourself higher. Don't be conceited. Don't be wise in your own sight. It does nothing for who I am to be like that. It does nothing for my, my walk as I walk the walk for Christ. I would have no witness to others if that is the way that I acted all the time. Verse 17, repay no one, no one evil for evil, but give the thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. My voice cracks all the time. I need a drink. It does it in a youth group all the time. So this section has a few main points to it, and I don't want to spend too much time. Don't, don't get revenge, but be honorable. The two cannot be together. Live peaceably with some, no. Live peaceably with all. And then let God be the one that avenges. The reason we let God be the one that avenges is because we know he won't make a mistake when he does it. If God wants to go there and make things right and do what is right in his eyes, it'll be right in his eyes. He is righteous. He is perfect. Let him take care of it. And then Paul is specific in what you can do. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So do what is contrary to what the world thinks of how you should respond. Care for those who are your enemy. Your actions, walking the walk, being a doer of God's word, may heap burning coals on their head. What? I want to heap burning coals on the head? What, what is Paul saying here? He's referring to an, an, an Egyptian custom where if someone wanted to publicly show they were wrong for their actions, they would walk around with a pan of burning coals showing the burning pain of shame and guilt. So your actions of repaying good for evil is ultimately for God to do something in their heart that they understand the shame and they feel repentance and they, and they don't want to do those things anymore. And they start walking towards a life with God, with Christ. We are to overcome evil with good and leave God to do the rest. Leave God to do the heart change. We've said this many times, and I say it to my youth group all the time, as you share Christ with others, as you, as you live for Christ towards others, you do what you can. You share God's word with others, but ultimately it's God that's going to do the heart change. It's not you. God is the one that does the heart change. We are called to share about Christ, and one of the most important ways that we can do this is to talk the talk and walk the walk. All caps and. Do both. So my second and final point is, very simple, love others. Love others. These two resolutions are quite simple to say. Love your family and love others. But they are hard to do. Very hard to do at times. Loving each other as a family of God and loving others is difficult. Um... Paul Tripp, I love reading his stuff. He says it's about marriage, but it applies to everything um, in one of his books. As long as we are two sinners 
living in a fallen world, there will be work to do. As long as we are two sinners living in a fallen world, there will be work to do. That is the quote that came to my mind as I was reading this. We are all sinners. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all of us. We are all sinners. There's a lot of us in this family of God. We are living in a fallen world. Therefore, we can't expect it to be perfect. It takes work. It all takes work. And so one of my other main points here, it's not a third point or anything. As we read what a mature Christian looks like, it is important, it is something for us to strive towards as we walk the walk. There will always be work to do until the Lord returns or takes you home another way. Just continue to love your family and others in hopes that you will encourage each other a witness to those around you of who Christ is. Give God the glory through your actions. Be a hearer and a doer of God's word. And don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Let's pray. Lord, we give you praise. We do give you glory for who you are. We thank you for your word that, is, that gives us everything we need, Lord, to live this life, to live for you, to bring you glory and honor. I pray as we, as we head out of here that we, these wouldn't just be some other resolution, but, Lord, that this would be life change for us. Not that we're perfect, but I pray that as, as we live our lives, Lord, and we seek to glorify and honor you, that we would do these things that we went through today. And it's not just these scriptures, Lord. We thank you for your word, the, the whole word that gives us guidance for our lives. And I pray that we would hear it, that we would read it, and that we would be doers of it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.